The opinions stated on this podcast do not represent those of the Alessal as a whole. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Alessal After Hours. This is our podcast where we go beyond the 600 word limit on the page and discuss the news that's happening on campus and in the world. I've got a special guest I'm talking to over Zoom today. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, uh, I'm Gabe. I'm the opinion editor at the Alessal. Gabe, uh, we are back for uh, you know a Zoom session of our Gabe and John Talk About Politics podcast. Uh, how does it feel? Uh, I mean, it's always fun to do this because I mean, this is I just get to talk about sort of opinions I have and things that ex- exist, and that's I mean that's great that that can be a thing I can do for work. Uh, right. But it's also kind of it it I don't know I just really enjoy it a lot. So it's, it's a good it's a good way to sort of discuss things i guess i like it yeah uh so today we're going to be talking about uh minimum wage uh stimulus check most importantly and vaccination in america basically just like a a kind of check-in i think on what biden's been doing how he's handling all this and should we trust the man or not so i want to start off with uh the stimulus check so as you might know gabe as the viewers might know uh, stimulus is finally getting passed. It's going to be the $1,400 one. Uh, and there's some changes that make it, you know, in my opinion, better uh, than the last stimuli. They uh, include some more people on it, um, which is, you know, really great, in my opinion. It's also taken a long time to get through. It went through a lot of uh, revision and um, blocking for people and stuff like that. Uh, what's your opinion on just how this whole kind of ordeal has gone down? I think, I mean, this is something that I'm probably going to say a few other times in this episode, but I think the best way to sort of describe American politics and Joe Biden's sort of situation, because a lot of people are complaining that he's not doing things he said he would, or he's taking more time to do things than he would, than he said he would. And I think the best way to just sort of sum all that up is that, you know, when typically from a political science standpoint, when Republicans are in the presidential office, they sign executive orders, they push stuff through Congress if they have Congress, and they, they're working very hard to sort of be very regressive and very conservative and bring things back. Whereas Democrats and Biden himself, they're much more concerned about the process and they take way more time to do stuff so they don't really do things. And if, so I mean, obviously it's good that all this stuff is getting out and that they're working on the stimulus checks and they're finally, finally coming out, but I mean, it, it shouldn't have taken this long, I don't think. It sucks, but at least we're getting it, I guess. Yeah, why do they do that? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I mean, I understand, like, you know, doing a lot of executive orders and stuff is bad, but, like, you're, you're running behind Democrats. Like, hardcore, like, there's a reason people don't like you. You got to understand this. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, I would, if I was, if I was in their position, uh, I would be, I would, be playing the um, I'd be playing the, the executive order game and I'd be doing this this hardball kind of stuff where you get your stuff passed because if people it doesn't matter how you get it through like you need to get it through otherwise people aren't going to like you and you're not going to get reelected. I mean I yeah I think there's a lot of people who you know I mean yes the the reason Joe Biden is president is because Do- Donald Trump was his opponent right his main opponent that's the that's the reason Joe Biden that's it. Right, But I think that a lot of the stuff he said he was going to do in office, a lot of these very progressive big things he said he was going to focus on and work on, 
he hasn't really been showing interest in, in interest in. He recently like said he wasn't going to do this uh, mint fifteen dollar federal minimum wage, which is like something that has annoyed a lot of people, myself included, because that's I, something he said he was going to do. And I mean, politicians lie. That's whatever. But I mean, they that doesn't mean they should. It's not good. And I think that that's. I mean, Donald Trump. It, say what you want about him. He's a politician who didn't. He, he didn't lie about what he said he would do in office. He, 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 he did exactly what he said he would do and more. And that is not good because I didn't like what he did personally, but uh, he, he did what he said he was going to do. And that's something that Joe Biden has not been doing. I do want to talk about the minimum wage, but I want to, I want to talk about the bad, I mean, obviously the bad parts of the stimulus, uh, you know, took too long, uh, didn't really include as, uh, ultimately didn't include as much, as much as it should have. It never will because we live in an unjust society. But uh, I am really glad to see that dependents were included on this $1,400 check. Yes, speaking speaking as dependents, yeah. Yeah, speaking as dependents, totally I mean, unbiased opinion, but. Mm -hmm. I think we're definitely biased on that, but I think it's not. Yeah. It's not unfair to say that there are, like, I have a lot of friends, my girlfriend included, you know, they were considered dependents when the pandemic started because they were still living at home, all these people, including my girlfriend. And then, you know, at some point during the pandemic or shortly after they were declared as dependents on their parents' taxes, they move out and they go to college and they go live in a dorm or in an apartment somewhere and they've moved out. But since they're still dependents from that year, they didn't get any stimulus money. So they're just flat out of luck. And it's good to see that, you know, everyone is, more people are included. I think that's never, it's never a bad thing to have more people included on something. Right, exactly. Because, um, yeah, no, college students, like, they need it. Like, I mean, certainly, I, and I'll even come to say, like, you know, I'm not from a super, like, poor family or whatever. Like, my parents can definitely provide for me even from home, but actually, it's, I don't know, it's hard, it's hard to sit, like, it's hard to kind of put this into words, but, like, I still, like, have a job and, like, buy my own food and stuff, and it's definitely, it's been made harder by corona, and so, like, I think we deserve a cut, you know, of something, but mm -hmm. I don't know, and I understand I mean, that, like, I'm in a much better position than a lot of other college students who, even if they are dependents, like, their parents think, afford yeah. their money, you know? I, I'm as well in a better situation than most college students, because, I mean, I'm still living with my parents. I'm planning on moving out next year, but I mean, for the pandemic, I still lived at home. I, you know, the two jobs I had, which were this one and I work at a retirement home, both of those jobs kept going. So I continued to make money uh, as I was. Uh, so I wasn't hit the hardest, but I mean, I still, there, there's plenty of people who are hit much harder yeah. than both of us. I mean, and it's, it's definitely, I think of, and also of all the groups of people Obviously, you know, they say if you have pre-existing conditions or if you're elderly, you're more susceptible to, you know, COVID-19. But as for, you know, the economic sort of financial issues that come with this virus, like college students, I think, are the group hit hardest. Because I would say uh, we're, we're all, by and large, most college kids are in dorms. And that's just many different people living together, crammed in the same space there, like that's difficult. And then also on top of that, I mean, college is the second most expensive thing that most people buy, right? After a house eventually, if they do that. But that's the biggest financial exp like expense you'll ever make most likely maybe. 
and then also just living there with all these other people like you are in a, a worrying situation i guess and colleges you know have been handling sure. it kind of well most of them haven't and i think college students deserve some money for the virus i think that they deserve stimulus no absolutely absolutely um and i mean can i <laughs> how are you excited to receive your 1400 dollars like because, I mean, we can be diplomatic about it, but I am hyped. I'm, yes, I'm excited to get it. And I think, I mean, who wouldn't be, right? Right. I think a lot of people are very, 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 especially people like us, like we were saying, college students didn't get any of the other ones or haven't gotten some of the other ones. And I think, you know, if this is the first stimulus check you get, it's amazing. <laughs> this is great. Yeah, exactly. I saw something on Twitter the other day, and this, this person was talking about, you know, this is a stimulus check. So if, if someone is using their stimulus check to, like, buy some expensive shoes or, like, just some, something frivolous that they don't, you know, isn't a necessity, you know, uh, mm -hmm. that still fits within the parameters of a stimulus because it stimulates the economy. That person is probably stimulating the economy, having a bigger effect on the economy than somebody who's just you know, one of the millions of people who are buying food or whatever. Not that people shouldn't be buying food with their stimulus. Of course they should be. But do you, what, do you, what, are your, what are your thoughts on somebody using their stimulus to just buy something cool for themselves? Well, I think a big misconception, and it's not, it's not like a misconception, like people are stupid and they fall for something. Like every politician ever has described the stimulus check as something, you know, if you've been hit by the economy and you don't have any money, this is going to help you get back on your feet. This is the start to sort of get, get you back so you can buy the necessities and do whatever. That's not what it's for. The stimulus check, the stimulus, the stimulus is stimulating the economy. That's what it's meant, right. it's meant to keep the economy going. And I, the only reason I am at all against getting a stimulus check, not, I mean, I'm not against it. My only argument, against, the only con I can see with it, uh, because I mean, I'm not going to complain about getting $1,400, right? But who would? Uh, but the only the only downside, I guess, is that it 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 kind of it's kind of pointless, right? If the virus is still a thing and you're not allowed to go out and buy things as much, and things are in reserved sort of reduced capacity and things like that, there's really no point just throwing money into the economy because that's the thing Trump tried to do a short period when he was still in office. He kept putting money into the Federal Reserve and putting money into these big stocks to sort of keep the economy afloat. But because no one was allowed to go out and buy things, it just would go up and then crash again. And then go up and then just kind of kept happening. So, I mean, obviously things are getting lifted and things are getting better and people are going out more. So hopefully the stimulus actually has the intended effect, but we shall see. Right. Honestly, like, once again, we don't like Trump or whatever, but that's, that's pretty cool <laughs> that this crazy billionaire guy who became president was like, okay, I guess I'll just stimulate the economy myself by buying a crap ton of stocks or whatever. And I mean, I think I listen, like there's plenty of things Trump has said that's terrible from a political standpoint, Trump's biggest failure was that, you know, he, he was this economist, money man, real estate agent. And then he gets into the office and the economy was good under Trump. That is a fact. He, he did good for the stock markets and the economy. And then in 2019, the virus happened and the economy was destroyed. So he did nothing in office, basically. Yeah. And that's why you don't focus on the economy, because that is 
the most fickle part of American politics. So don't try and fix that because it's not going to stay fixed. That is why you don't uh, take every single threat to the country as an attack on you personally. And you just yes. sit before it becomes a real problem. Mm-hmm. That's uh, why when a, when a giant virus hit, everyone was like, oh my God, this will be terrible for the economy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey. I will never tire of those memes. They're <laughs> hilarious. Right hit in the earth or whatever. It's like, man, the economy's going to suffer because of this. Oh, no, the stock market, yeah. Yeah. Um, and minimum wage. Uh, you said that, you know, Biden's a politician. Politicians lie. He did say, uh, he said before going into office something like, uh, if you're below, if you're making less than $15 an hour, you're living below the poverty line, right? And then, you know, we get to the presidency and he's trying to block a 15 to federal dollar, fifth federal $15 minimum wage. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think it's messed up. I think, it, I think it's really messed up. And I think that while a lot of states are adopting, uh, you know, their own $15 minimum wage into their, you know, state law. And that's cool and all, but this, like, this isn't like medical marijuana or like recreational marijuana. Like this, I think is a pretty, it's a pretty important issue that, you know, it affects the entire country. And it, it's not something that you should just leave up to the states. If anything, it'll be better if we get all the country on this at the same time, because mm-hmm. it's going to create some serious quality issues. But I'm, I think yeah, I'm just upset about it. The issue with it being by state also is that like, you know, uh, California, I believe, has a $15 minimum wage. I might be wrong. I'm going to check that real quick. I mean, they'd be the ones, right? Right. I know Illinois is working on increasing that uh, states with 15. But uh, I know that like, that basically the issue, yeah, the, the only three states that have done it are California, Massachusetts, and Illinois, right? California and Illinois and Massachusetts are all like pretty wealthy states already. And that means that, you know, the people in those states will get more money. People in those states will become wealthier because it will be, you know, equating the economy, making more sort of equalizing. Uh, now, deep south states that are more conservative and aren't going to want that $15 minimum wage, like Alabama, Louisiana, Georgia, those are three of the, I believe, we say that Louisiana, maybe it's Mississippi, one of those three or four is the poorest state in the union. So if they don't give us that $15 minimum wage or give the people in that state, I guess, $15 minimum wage, they're going to stay the poorest state for longer. And it's going to just, you know, increase that gap between these wealthy. Exactly. States it's like a vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. And it's not, and it's going to increase the, the polarity politically of, you know, oh, those, those rich people up North, those rich people in these States, exactly. which is not good. Yeah, we were all talking about civil war like last year. <laughs> Oof, yeah. I don't want any kind of reasons to get there. But um, as someone that Gabe, as someone who knows just like generally more than me, can you maybe explain something? Right. Uh, what's the benefit of you know going up a dollar per year versus just going right up to fifty dollars? Because that's how we're doing in Illinois. If yes, our out of state viewers don't know. I think the reason, well, I mean, it's not really a benefit. It's more of a safety net, right? Because if on January 1st of this year, uh, Governor Pritzker was just like, hey, Illinois, $15 minimum wage. If you're paying less than that, you're violating the law, yada, yada, yada. If that was instantly a thing, there'd be a lot of small businesses that would be like, we can't 
afford to just suddenly do that. And that's a big thing that a lot of, that's a lot of arguments against $15 minimum wage are that, you know, well, how are these small local businesses going to afford that? Uh, it's the way they can afford it is because you don't just instantly make them do that. You slowly say, okay, pay them more this year, pay them more this year until I think 2024 is when we're going to have $15 minimum wage set. Maybe it's 2022. I don't know. In, in a few years is when we will stop increasing and hit 15, but... Well, we're on 11 now, so I think 24 is correct. That's right, yeah. Yeah. But the, re yeah, the reason they do that is to sort of... Obviously, a company like McDonald's, a company like Target... Target actually already pays $15, their minimum wage, fun fact. Uh, but uh, bigger stores like that can obviously afford that if they were forced to, probably. But, you know, a small mom-and-pop shop that's just paying that, they're not going to instantly be able to do that so it sort of gives them a moment to sort of you know hey you're gonna have to do this like slowly recalculate funds and stuff get there right um and there's probably some sort of big economist reason too of like oh well if you give all the, i don't know that stuff it's gonna well, inflate but, too fast or something yeah, like that. something like that yeah something an economist would say <laughs> yeah that, um that that is an issue too though with like small businesses uh and you know the economy in general like there is a worry that increasing the minimum wage is just going to cause infl inflation. And, you know, the, the famous kind of boomer Twitter quote is just like, enjoy your $15 Big Mac or whatever. You know, I don't plan on spending $15 for a Big Mac, but um, I mean, whether, whatever side you're on that, that is kind of an undisputable fact though, that raising the minimum wage would cause inflation, especially for these like chains and fast food restaurants and stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I think I'm trying to find it. Uh, there's a lot of arguments of that, right? Where it's like, you know, in these countries with the federal minimum wage, all these foods cost so much more. In the U.S. right now, and I pulled it up, uh, whatever McDonald's meal is, website is ranking them by, it ranks all these countries by how much some McDonald's meal is. Uh, United States on the list of 106 countries on here, we're already at 22. We're already pretty high up. Uh, and we, it says on this website, ours would be $8 is whatever this deal is. Uh, if you look at a country like Australia or Sweden that has, you know, minimum wage, mandatory sort of $15 livable wage thing, that's about nine bucks, nine thirty, nine forty. 40, uh, which objectively, yes, that's more money, but that's a dollar more. It's a dollar and 30 cents. Exactly. Not yeah. I remember reading that, that like, I think it was Denmark or something or some Northern European country. They raised it, they raised their minimum wage, and uh, it only went up like a matter, it was like less than a dollar, I think it was like 90 cents or something like that. It, it, it's, it increases, of course, yes, that's a yeah. fact, when people have more money, things cost more, that's just a fact of the economy. But not nearly as much as people are saying it would. No, and it's not, and I mean, if it does increase the price of things by a lot, well, that's not a problem because you're going to have more money, so. Exactly. I don't, I don't understand that argument usually. Plus, things and prices go up anyway. Prices go up anyway, regardless of if people have more yeah. money or not. Yeah, it's, it's, it is a tough issue because, like, I can understand why somebody wouldn't want inflation. It's just kind of like one of those things that, you know, is kind of, like, inherently bad or whatever. Like, I'm not supposed to be for, like, inflation. But the, 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 the truth is, like, people who are living under, like, a $7 minimum wage or whatever, seven twenty-five, mm -hmm. they're literally they're dying because they they don't have enough money like they they literally do not have enough money to live mm -hmm. the, the argument that 
the uh, and I don't want to make this a whole minimum wage podcast. This was kind of supposed to be about Biden, but like I do want to. This is an important topic to me because like the argument that like oh like you know a, a minimum wage job is supposed to be like a you know it's for teenagers like it's not supposed to be like what you make your career out of or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, dude, don't you think these people know that? <laughs> like they're the only reason they're in these jobs is trust me because they can't get any other jobs like like no one is choosing they're like man my my scheme is i'm gonna go to mcdonald's i'm gonna be flipping burgers and i'm gonna demand they pay me more like no i'm gonna make 15 dollars an hour at mcdonald's and that's how i become a trillionaire exactly like they're doing this because they have literally no other choice Mm -hmm. it's messed up but we're gonna transition to the vaccine um you know, unlike the uh, stimulus, I mean, somewhat unlike the stimulus, I think I'm, I'm extremely happy with how Biden has handled this. Yeah, I've got half the vaccine in me already. I'm getting my next shot in a couple of weeks. Nice, dude. Uh, that's, that's awesome, dude. I, can't, I cannot wait till like just some more and more people start getting it this summer. I cannot, I cannot understate how amazing this summer is going to be, dude. I'm so excited. I, Biden, Biden said recently that, like, by May 1st, he wants every state to have every, uh, everyone should be eligible by the for the vaccine in America by May 1st. So that means that most likely by the summer, everyone will be vaccinated. It was July 4th. Yeah, I, th- I think he was saying that by July 4th, you should be able to have gatherings and have a Independence Day party of some kind. Yeah. Which is, I, I think, I, from, from a journalist standpoint and from a political science standpoint, that is like the perfect, like, patriotism. Oh, yeah. Like, it's great PR, definitely. By Independence Day, you can party again. Stay from the virus. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's pretty, like, um, I don't know what the right word to put it is. It's, it's pretty corny, but, like, I'm all here for it. Like, I'm so, any kind of, like, cel- big celebration against this virus, like, any kind of... Uh, dramaticness or whatever that they want to do like i'm here for this virus sucks please i will i will be wearing an american flag on july 4th if we're all like able to party dude yeah if if every if everything is back to normal by the end of may i will my 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 nationalism will increase (laughs) to a great degree (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's in a more serious note that that's why that the We've had such a problem with that in America with all of the controlling the virus and doing all that because that is what the country is built on. I mean, founding fathers and everything was like reject tyranny, fight against the government telling you what to do. Uh, So obviously, when you tell someone to do something very small, they're not going to want to. We're, 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 We're a very individualistic country. Individualism, like we have in America, uh, surprisingly for some people, isn't really a thing in Europe. It exists, but it's definitely not as emphasized as it is here or in the rest of the world at all. I shouldn't just say Europe everywhere. I mean, they have a sense of the individual and sense of, you know, one person, but it's not as intense as it is here. And that's why American politics is different than a lot of other countries, because we have people who say, I have the right to do this. I have the right. I need to do this. And it's not like a thing for everyone. It's not very communal. Yeah. Um, Definitely, definitely. Uh, especially Eastern Europe, because, you know, they, uh, I think they've got the right attitude about a lot of things, but not like East, East Europe, but like former Soviet Union guys, like they have the right level of just like we're a community, you know, I yeah, think it's time for America to grow out of this individualism because like, okay, 
it's I love the American dream, the American ideal. Like that's awesome. I really liked, uh, you know, the great American novels I read in high school. But um, it's there's a difference between like you know the government making you pay tax on tea for literally no reason versus the government making you stay inside because there's a virus in the air that will kill you and you won't be able to taste your food. Like that, th th those are two totally different situations. And I think that government control on the second one is pretty important because I think Americans like to not follow the rules. I mean, the reason I stayed inside because of the virus had nothing to do with what Joe Biden or Donald Trump or whoever told me. I did it because the virus was bad. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people, a lot of people seem to have that idea of, oh, you're just listening to the government blindly, you're wearing the mask because they told you to. It's like, well, no, I know like people who have relatives who died from the virus and I don't want that to happen to me or anyone. I don't want to even get it and recover because that sounds gross and painful. Yeah. So I'm just not going to try and get it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I don't want to lose my sense of taste for like six months. So, uh, fellow, yeah, was, um, fellow Elastal staff member, uh, Damian Morris, our managing editor, good guy. He caught COVID uh, a couple months ago. He's recovered now. He's fine. He's been in the office. You know, he's great. But uh, yeah, he's told me he still really can't taste things too well. It's coming back definitely. But he's been like, anytime we like eat in the office or like do whatever, he's like, kind of taste it but still it's just kind of weird gross tasteless mush yeah exactly um <laughs> yeah everybody i've talked to who's had it makes it sound so bad they're like they're like john i am literally only eating for sustenance like there is no joy in this i, I don't want to live like that for six months he was saying that he was just eating things that he normally wouldn't like just because he's like i don't know eating is no longer because of the taste it's like the texture you know yeah that's weird yeah, that's uh that's true um Biden, uh, I was pretty, I had a pretty, not, I don't, I, I had a pretty negative outlook on this vaccination situation because when Trump was president, you know, the, the estimates were that it would literally take years for all of America to get vaccinated, you know, and by the, the way the situation went was, you know, obviously just as everything else Corona involved, uh, you know, Trump was he didn't take it seriously at first. He was like, no, I don't want vaccines. And there was like, you know, orders of vaccines that he straight up rejected and all this stuff. And I thought that the kind of ship had sailed for the most part. And now all these other countries have like, you know, that it's going to be funneled to them and we're in just, it's going to take a while. But now Biden turned that around real quick, <laughs> like really quick. He ordered I mean, another I think a big hundred. Thing, yeah, from what I've seen, a big thing about that was like, Trump, the reason it was such a big deal with Trump is that like he being the businessman had a deal somewhere with the guys making Johnson and Johnson's vaccine. That's now a thing recently. It's like the third vaccine they've got. Out. Yeah. Uh, and that one's less effective and it still took longer to create. It's only one shot and it doesn't take cold storage, which is important, which is good. But um, it doesn't, that, it, that's correct me if I'm wrong. It doesn't make you, it, you're still susceptible to get it. You just can't spread it. Correct. I don't know. I know it instead of like, like the Moderna and Pfizer vaccine are both 90 something effectivity, 90% something, somewhere in the 90s. But the Johnson and Johnson one, I believe, is in the 70s effectivity rate. So it's a little less effective, but it's only one shot. And it only doesn't need cold storage. So it's a bit different. And Trump was very clear about, you know, I want 
everyone to be taking the Johnson one. I'm not going to be accepting Pfizer, not going to be doing Moderna, yada, yada. Then Biden gets into office and Biden, you know, obviously has been the opposite. Biden's like, just take one that yeah, the FDA has approved, please. Just please take them. And I think that's why it's been a lot easier with Biden in office. He's been more accepting. A really good thing he did with the vaccines recently was he said um, people who do not get the vaccines within their time, like their their eligibility timeframes or whatever, if they choose not to get them uh, before all, all those timeframes run out, he's going to start giving the surplus vaccines to other countries because they need them and they need people who, or they have people who will want to take them, right? I think it's really cool because, you know, obviously there's a, quite a few people in the U.S. who just straight up won't take the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also people who are choosing not to take it for pretty stupid reasons that they think are selfless, which I want to talk about later. But uh, it's, I think it's smart because we don't want these, we, I, the, we don't want these vaccines sitting around, you know, like we especially, in my opinion, want to give them to Canada and Mexico because like if we can just get North America secured, like dope you know because i know canada's having issues with vaccines um and so yeah i think i think he's doing a really good job at it definitely i think that's definitely a place where biden has shined which is something i don't know if he deserves credit for because i mean like a big thing he was running on was you know believing in science not doing what trump did and just rejecting the scientists and that was a big thing he wanted to focus on and a big thing he's done so I mean, obviously, he's better than Trump in that sense because Trump wasn't doing this. But I mean, all he's doing is just what he's supposed to, I guess. He's doing the bare minimum with the vaccines, which is good. And he's doing yeah, it well. Yeah, exactly. It's, but I mean, I don't know. I feel like it's weird. I'm, I definitely want to give him credit. And I definitely want to be happy that everyone's getting the vaccines. But part of me is still like, I mean, he's just doing what he's supposed to. Are we still, I feel like personally, I think I'm out of the honeymoon period, right? Yeah. Where I'm okay with Biden not being Donald Trump. Now I'm like, okay, now be an actual like person on your own, unrelated to Donald Trump, just be a good president. Yeah, no, that's definitely the issue. And that's what I was afraid of when Trump was in office was how like this would affect like the reputation of future presidents. And I mean, I kind of like, you've heard me talk, like, I'm definitely like very, I'm just so excited to see somebody who's doing like the right thing or whatever. But you're right. Like, I mean, Heck, heck, like even like Bush or someone like that, like they would probably be doing a very similar thing to what Biden's doing with vaccines right now. They'd be ordering them so people can take them, which is the bare minimum. Um, and I guess we'll just have to wait and see how he fares in future endeavors as seen with the $15 minimum wage. Not perfect, but um, I'm still like, Man, nothing can make me more excited than just getting this COVID stuff over with. <laughs> it's going to be so nice. Biden has the perfect sort of, if he gets the virus absolutely decimated by 2024, and if he does probably maybe one other big thing, maybe not the minimum wage because he seems to be against that all of a sudden, but something yeah. other big like that, I think this is going to sound like a joke, but it's not meant to be, if he's still alive. He'll have a good chance. The Democrats will have a good chance of winning the presidency in 24, I guess, regardless of who's in office. Because, yeah, I mean, definitely. it sounds like a joke when I say if he's still alive, but the man is he's so almost old. 80. He will be in his 80s in 2024 when he's running again, yeah. making him, I believe, the oldest president, but I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, wasn't Trump the oldest president when we had him? Uh, the oldest person elected to the American presidency was Joe Biden who was two months after being 78. 
So he was the oldest. He is the oldest. Um, and other than that, uh, final thoughts on Biden, minimum wage, stimuli, vaccines, anything like that? You want to say one final thing. There's a, an infographic that was published back at the beginning of the pandemic that a lot of people have been posting again now is a sort of a joke. So when the vaccine, well, not when the vaccine, when the virus first came out uh, and everyone was really getting hit with it and it was sweeping the world, uh, there was an infographic of, you know, countries least and most uh, prepared for the, vi- like for the COVID-19 virus, who, countries that will be hit the hardest, countries that will hit least. And it was a very clearly biased graphic, you know, Europe and America and Canada were all, you know, perfect. They will have no trouble with the virus and all of the Southern hemisphere, except for maybe Australia and Japan, were supposed to be destroyed, right? Africa, South America, South Asia, you know, all these countries, they, according to this infographic, were going to be, you know, destroyed by the virus and it would be for them. But up North, you know, Americans and Europeans would be fine. But actually a lot of people politically and a lot of people just now know that that's fake and not true. But the reason that that isn't a case is like a really good sort of end button of sort of everything is subjective. Right. Uh, uh, and the reason is like, we get hit with this pandemic, this giant virus that's, you know, killed 500,000 people or more at this point. Uh, and, you know, we don't know how to deal with a pandemic. We don't know what we're doing. Whereas in like Africa where they were getting the viruses for the first, first few cases, uh, in Africa, the climate is a lot warmer, a lot more rainforest, a lot more forest, a lot more deserts, a lot more mosquitoes spreading viruses. And that's, a, they're used to pandemics. They're not used to them like immune, but those countries have well-regulated plans and systems to deal with things like that. We don't, Europe doesn't. So when that happened, Africa was like, oh, new virus. Oh, well, I'll have to bust out the pandemic plan again. Fine. They have regulations and rules and stuff. And the people in those countries say, oh, there's a pandemic again. Oh, we know what to do. The government has many plans. We didn't. No one else really did in the Northern Hemisphere. So Africa, there hasn't been a lot of news about it for whatever reason, but Africa dealt with the pandemic very well. And they're, I mean, everyone, they, everyone's seen those posts about China's back to normal. Wuhan, China, where they first had it, is back to normal. Wow. Africa's back to normal too. South America, I think, for the most part, is almost back to normal as well. Yeah, it's none of these countries have the ego that the United States has. <laughs> yes. Uh, we, I don't know. We, I think there's something to be something to be said about kind of living in opulence and not having. I mean, like you said, not having to deal with this stuff. Uh, I mean, shout out to our previous podcast. Uh, you know, the Black Plague, the Spanish Flu, and the Coronavirus episode 44. I talked to history professor Kathleen Vonksethorn. And she basically said like this stuff in America at least works in cycles. You know, we had uh, the Spanish flu basically a hundred years ago and it was very much like a similar situation. There was like anti-maskers back then, like all that stuff. And it kind of seems like we learned nothing from it, Mm -hmm. uh, even though millions of people died. Uh, And I don't know, Gabe, I'll see you in a hundred years, <laughs> I guess is the end yeah. of the podcast. Well, I mean, that was a thing back in 2004, 2008, when George Bush was still in office. Uh, he literally was like, hey, talking to some historians, read a book. Uh, apparently, like viruses and pandemics and stuff like that happens like pretty sick, cyclically, like in a cycle. That's weird. I think we should work on that because according to all these doctors I've talked to, it's going to happen again here soon. 
Uh, and George Bush is this reputation of being this idiot, and everyone thinks he's dumb, and he kind of is dumb. It, he says funny things. Yeah, I can say that as a fact. But I mean, he he was right about that, and he put some work in and made a pandemic plan. And Obama was just kind of like, I don't know, I'm just going to leave that there. I'm not really going to going to ignore that because it's not a problem I have. It still was there, but he didn't really use it. He didn't have to. I think with Ebola, maybe he used it for short period. I don't know. All I know is that Trump famously got rid of it pretty quick because he was like, "Why would we need that? It's taking up space. Whatever." Taking and, up space. What is he talking about? And then two years later, the virus hit, and it was yeah. I am. Um, I'm glad he's gone. <laughs> Abe, what are your obsessions for this week? Uh, well, you know, in high school and middle school, I knew a lot of people who really liked like anime, like Japanese animation stuff. I never watched any of it. Never cared for any of it. Always thought it was weird. Always thought it was weird, freaky, strange stuff for weird people. I'm gonna be brutally honest, but. Just recently, a couple months ago, uh, Tom Drake, who's on staff at The Elastical Reporter, uh, he showed me the film Akira, which was really good and really changed, uh, I don't know, really changed my opinions on anime. And I haven't watched other anime, certainly haven't. Uh, Akira I've seen, and I'm currently reading through the graphic novels of Akira. I finished volume one a couple nights ago, and then last night, I read through a third of the second volume, which is a lot because I was very zoned in, very sucked in. It's very, very interesting. I like Akira. It's a weird thing to bring up from like the 90s, 80s, like this 80s, yeah. graphic novel, but it's good. <laughs> I want to I watch Akira so bad. I can't believe I haven't yet. But yeah, the whole like aesthetic of that is uh, really interesting. Very cool. Um, my obsession, I'd probably say, you know, ever since, I don't want to take into politics one more time, but... I saw this TikTok that was just killing me. Uh, ever since Trump has kind of left office, he's kind of out of our line of sight a little bit. And I came across a TikTok the other day of somebody doing like a really funny Trump impression. And I was, I was seriously laughing so hard. <laughs> and I don't know. It's, it's, I haven't heard it in a couple months. He, you know, he wasn't the main topic of the news every single day. And uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to just laugh at that again and not just get sick to your stomach or whatever. I think we're far enough removed now that if I hear people do Trump impressions and if there's a joke there, I think I might actually laugh at it. Yeah, I will agree. It was a really good one too. I can't lie, but uh, yeah, that's going to do it for us on the Less Laughter Hours today, guys. Uh, make sure to check out our other podcast, The Lessel News Bite, and read our articles on alesselive.com. Uh, thank you so much for listening and have a good one. Yeah. Very cool. That one.